Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. On the Preds with me, your host, Alex Darty of A to Z Sports, and I'm here with Sean Smith of A to Z Sports. We are here to talk Preds, and it's episode 62, and since our last show, Sean, the Preds are 4-0-0. Wow! Wow. I'm going to tell you. um, Look, I'll be the first one to admit I didn't think that was going to happen. No. Um, I don't know if you go back and listen to last week's show, you know, and what was I saying? You know, it's, it's going to be a pretty rough road trip. Um, I have no problem admitting I was wrong. It's, uh, it's what 16 years of marriage will do to you. But, um, you know, realistically, what a, what a great run they're on. I mean, what a great start to the road trip as well. They are on a good start to the road trip. They have won two games I did not think they could win, and they won one game I thought they probably should win. Uh, but they've beaten over the last four the last four games since we last had a show. Six three win over the Canadians, five three win over Carolina. We will definitely talk more about that game. Mm. Three to two win over Washington, and a three nothing shutout over Ottawa. That was last night. So we're recording on Tuesday. We normally record on Monday, but that's because they played a game last night. We pushed it to tonight. And I mean, I don't know. Like the the way they're getting these wins is largely through goaltending. Um, but there's been some timely scoring. I mean, they've put out some goals in there as well. The goal, the goaltenders aren't scoring the goals. No, nope, um, they don't. They're not often. One time, one guy did that, but that's not. But you can't rely on that. And uh, they, they're they're still scoring some goals. And I mean, they are getting some luck. Their PDO, which is like a good ref- reflection of puck luck, is super high over the last like two weeks. Um, so they're getting some of that, but that that comes and goes. Like you know you you're, you're going to have stretches where you have like really high luck and really bad luck. So uh, they're in a high luck stretch right now and, and they're winning. It's good. It's good for business. So the, I, I guess the Soros game, we were watching that. Um, we had yeah. a little, uh, a little programming meeting yep. at, at the Smith household at the Casa de Smith. Casa de Smith. We were watching the, uh, sorry, we had no idea going into that night that we'd be watching history. Um, no. pretty remarkable night for UC Soros. I mean, but you know, obviously you can't come away with that game thinking that it was really a good, uh, how did I put it? I think I said it wasn't a step in the right direction. <laughs> you cannot go into a game in which a goalie allows or has to make the second most saves in a regulation non-overtime game ever in order to win Yeah, and think, oh, we're doing good things. <laughs> Well, I, it, it's interesting, and I'll say this. As much as everyone was celebrating the fact that Soros had broken this record or set this record or come so close, whatever you want to say, he, he, he was nearing the record, he tied the record, he broke the Preds record, he got close to the record overall. It was exciting. I mean, we were, we were sitting there 
I started shouting out the save numbers. That was that was fun. You know, you don't often get yeah. to experience something like that. But it, at this, in the same breath that everyone is praising Soros, you also have to say he only had to stop that many because they allowed that many. Now, granted, Alex, don't get me wrong. It was against a team that shoots a lot. The uh, Hurricanes are a shooty team. That's a technical term there. I just uh, pulled out from my toolbox. But, uh, you know, look, they're a shooty team. They're going to get a lot of shots off. But that was some otherworldly shooting and, and quite frankly, way more than should have been allowed. Uh, UC Soros, his own words after the game, they shoot a lot of pucks. <laughs> they do. That's what he said. Um so, uh, yeah, that, that, that win was pretty crazy. And um, I, I don't think anyone expected it to look quite like that. Um, and then the, uh, the, the next night they go into Washington. We skipped over the Montreal game, but we can skip to that. It's fine. They, they played well. They, they scored a lot of goals against Montreal, who's bad. Um, and the Washington game had, Sean, a couple of goals that were pretty cool <laughs> to watch. Um, and but the way that game unfolded, the Predators were up early. Tommy Novak scored, and then uh, Washington tied it up. And then Jakob Trenin did this, and I want to show this goal. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see it, uh, or if you're just you know if you're just listening, you can always find it on on Twitter, YouTube, whatever. But Jakob Trenin had this goal against Washington. Backhands gets deflected, but stays with it. There's Parson and comes in, and that puck just goes right to the net. Lozon, Trenton tips it. Watch this, right out of midair, up in the air, bang, bounces. So I would like to submit that that is a lacrosse goal because that is how a lot of lacrosse goals are scored. Even though the typical hockey lacrosse goal is like the the Zorro, like pick up the puck and stuff it in from behind the net. Yeah, that is a more typical lacrosse goal. I, I don't watch a lot of lacrosse, Alex. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I don't either, but I've been told that, that, I mean, that's, that's how they score. Anyways, pretty cool goal. That yeah, tied, uh, I thought it was great. I loved it. I, I think I even told you that if there were a competition for me right now, and I was the sole judge for goals of the year, that would be one of my top two. Yeah, that was a fun one. Uh, and I, I definitely didn't see that coming. And so far, and Jakob Trenin is, has stopped slamming his head into the glass after goals, which is disappointing. Yeah. It's like, I thought it was his trademark. I guess not. I've, uh, I've gotten used to it. Yeah. And then after that, the the um, the Capitals tied it up in the second period. And then in the third period, another incredible goal that came out of nowhere that I did not see coming. And uh, here it is from Ryan McDonough, his first goal as a Nashville Predator in dramatic fashion. Too. We'll got to get that, but look at McDonough. We talk about the details. He's a defensive defenseman, but he's got offensive skills too. Sees the time to go. Look at this little chip play. He is just barreling to the net. Look at this move. Absolutely freezes Lindgren, takes it to the backhand, and then right into the glass he goes. Watch this. What a move. Tucks it in, going down. That looks like Alexander Ovechkin right there. McDonough into the boards, wait for the... Pretty exciting there. Ryan McDonough just taking that feed, uh, but that backhand feed from Johansson and going to the net, deking the goalie and a backhander right into the back of the net. That was pretty amazing. Um, yeah. That's that's just McDonough getting it McDone, if you know what I mean. He got it McDone. He sure did. <laughs> that game I don't know. I... Go ahead. 
I didn't know he had that in him, you know, I, and you, you think we've, we've seen him go from kind of looking out of place on the ice this season to becoming a lot more comfortable. And then you see that and you're like, well, is this something we can expect on a nightly basis? Probably not, but it's mm-hmm. good to know that that's in there. And I'm, I'm telling you, these, they, they were some nice goals. That was between Trent and McDonough. And again, not the two that you would expect to have the highlight real goals, but I thought those were great. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That gave the Preds the lead. They finished it out with a win over Washington. And then that led us to last night, Monday night, when they uh, beat the Ottawa Senators 3-0. And um, so, uh, look, Corsi-wise, shot attempt-wise, the Predators got outshot attempted. But expected goals, the Predators had a slight edge. It was overall a pretty low, um, low-quality, high volume kind of night on both ends so so anyone who thinks that i mean look the predators didn't look fan didn't look great against ottawa but they they didn't give up a lot of really dangerous stuff and uc soros with a great shutout i mean i i really i really do think like this is this could be the start of a, a, an incredible second half for uc soros because of what we're seeing like he is locked in like he usually is, but he's also getting a little bit more help. I mean, I know Carolina game aside, like Carolina, yeah. not that game, not talking about no. that game, No. but Washington and then Ottawa. I think he looked like he was getting, I'm sorry. He didn't play against Washington. Uh, Ottawa. He definitely looked like he was getting, um, getting significant help. Montreal. I think he looked fine in that game. Um, Power the penalty kill, same kind of thing. Like he, he just he looks he looks better. He looks more confident, and he's he's on a roll. Where could this lead the Predators down the stretch? You know, <laughs> that's I guess that's the million dollar question, isn't it? Um, I think it's funny you look back on Saros's history, and you, he's gotten that reputation as a slow starter for whatever reason. And I think you look at this season, and you go, oh, oh man, it was kind of rough there for a while, and. How much of that was really Soros? How much of that was the team? Especially the defensive core, not not really kind of having a cohesive plan out there. So I, I don't know, you know, you take a lot of those factors kind of uh, rectifying themselves, you know, getting a familiar unit out there on defense, really kind of clogging up the, the shooting lanes for Soros a little bit better. And just combined with the fact that he's an outstanding goaltender and all those things coming together at once, it seems like his slow start is gone. He's off to the, he's off to the races now. Um, where could it take them? Gosh, I mean, I feel like four games ago, this was a team that was uh, headed for the bottom of the standings, and now it seems like they're pushing up into contention for a, a wild card spot already. Yeah. So since December 30th, so that's what, 10 days ago? Nine days, 11 days ago? 11. Uh, since December 30th, out of all the goaltenders in the entire NHL, who leads them in saves? I'll give you one hint. There are two pictures of him on the screen right now. Um, it's not me. I can see myself here and then over here in this window. But uh, it's gonna have to gonna go with UC Soros. UC Soros leads all goalies in saves since December thirtieth with one hundred and fifty-two. Wow. He leads all goalies in goals saved above average at 8.87. Basically, he's kept 8.8 goals off the board over the last yeah. 12 days, yeah. which is nuts. Um, and that's in 239 minutes of ice time, which is fourth 
Martin Jones has played six games and has uh, has, has played two more games than Soros and has 15 fewer saves. <laughs> wow. That's um, crazy. He's got, and Soros doesn't lead in save percentage, but that's because some of these dudes only played one game. He's technically fifth in save percentage, but has played more minutes than those guys. 956 save percentage, and he's 4 0. I'm sorry. Yeah, 4 0. Yeah, 4 0. 4 0 in that time. It, it wins over Anaheim, Montreal, Carolina, and Ottawa. So there's there's three bad teams in there, but one good team that he had to do a lot of work at. What's is uh, carrying the team right now. That's no doubt. There's no doubt about that. But the team has still won four in a row, and you have to feel like that gives you something. It gives you a little bit of momentum. Maybe that gives some uh, some some confidence to some of the team that, that maybe wasn't there before, and some juice going forward. Um, and uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about something that happened today uh, relating to a former predator. I believe. But before we do that, Sean, let's talk about relax the back. Oh, because if you want to live better and feel better and sleep better every day, you've just got to check it out. Relax the back in Nashville. They have tons of customized comfort options for the off for the office, for relaxing at home and for sleeping at night. Uh, Quality recovery options. If you've been injured or you're just recovering from a workout, I'm talking about massage chairs, recliners. If you're tr- watching with us on YouTube, you can see some pictures of those things right there in their beautiful store right in uh, Green Hills. Um, or if you're talking about you really need to focus on your sleep, you're, you're not getting enough sleep or you're not sleeping well, they have a lot of things that can uh, help that for you. So uh, talking about Technogel, Temper Ergo, Smart Base Systems, Wedge Systems, and Posture Pillows. For getting you in the correct natural sleeping position, that is what's important. You've got to get in the right position for sleeping because if you're not, your back will hate you. And you don't want your back to hate you. Go to relax the back and relax it instead. So it's in Green Hills. Go to 2020 Glen Echo Road and uh, go. just walk in there. Tell them, you, tell them we sent you and tell them to ask for Glenn. Talk to Glenn. He's going to be in there. He's a sleep agent and he will uh, help you with everything you need. And he will also tell you about the four pillars of wellness. Healthy sleep, healthy body, healthy work, and healthy mind. All right, so um, tell me what happened today with with Ellie Tolvanen and uh, and David Poyle and all this mess. Okay, I, there's look, Alex. There's been a lot of excitement on the Twitters. I don't know yeah. if you keep up with the Twitters, but let's let me talk to you about what happened. Uh, Dave Poyle, general manager of the Predators, uh, had his <laughs> well uh, had had his uh, weekly visit with uh, Robbie and Rex Road um, this morning over on their their radio station there. And and when he calls in to talk to them, you know they talk about a lot of things, Alex. It's not always something uh, controversial, but today it certainly was um, because he was asked about the whole Tolvanen situation, especially decision making that went into choosing to waive him, especially when the Predators were also weighing uh, what was going to be happening with Michael McCarron, who entered the Players Assistance Program right around the same time. Um, and it was really interesting, I think, to, to hear his response because I don't, I don't want to quote it. I don't want to go word for word. And I'm not going to inflate it and make it something crazy. But basically he said that he felt like they'd tried Tolvanen in a lot of different positions and a lot of different situations. Um, and that they really hoped 
Now, he didn't use the word expected. He used he said he really hoped that he would clear waivers and that he would be able to go back to Milwaukee and, and work there with Car- Carl Taylor and maybe be able to come back up to the to the Predators team in Nashville. But um, unfortunately, as, as we all know, that was not the case. He was claimed by the Seattle Kraken. And after being healthy scratch for a few games after joining the organization, he started playing on a nightly basis and has played in five games in which he has five points, three big goals, two assists, two goals on the power play, which makes him a point-per-game player. And Poyle said, uh, you know, if he continues to have success there, then that one's pretty much uh, his fault, that he would he would take the hit on that one and admit that he made a mistake. So what do you think about that? I mean, I, I, it's, it's pretty interesting that it happened. I think it's – I'm pretty surprised that he would even, like – say something like that, that he would even kind of admit to, to being wrong about something. I mean, not, not, not that he, not, not that I, I know what you're saying, to, not that we'd expect him to lie, but I mean, right. he's a, he's a GM. And I, I think that it's pretty, pretty established at this point that he's, he's going to say whatever he can to yeah. make the organization look good. GMs play their cards close to their chest regardless. And, and I think, and I think the word that I would say here is transparency. That was a lot of transparency that uh, I don't think we're used to getting. And not in a way that he's trying to to hide things or cover things up, but you usually don't get that kind of candor. You don't get that kind of just straight-up honesty. And and I think, you know, for me, if I go back to Tolvanen being waived, I still get it. I understand why they waived him. He was being used primarily as a a two-way, mostly defensive forward, playing on the fourth line with some guys that were in there to to basically be a stopgap waiting for the first line to come back out. Um, and, you know, realistically, I think, I mean, I get it. I, I'm just, I keep saying this, but I get it. He'd had a lot of opportunities. They had tried him in a lot of places. Whether or not they had soured on him, I think, is is up for debate. Because if they'd soured on him and Tolvanen kind of felt that, you know, I think there's definitely a way that that impacts how you carry yourself, how you play the game. And he even said after getting picked up by the Kraken that he felt like the fresh start was good for him and he felt really happy to be there and happy to have another chance. Um, and it seems like he's making the most of it. If he comes back and, and, and is successful, which I think would be great. I've enjoyed following Tolvanen since he was drafted, as a lot of people have. Uh, I'll be honest. I think it would be a great thing for Tolvanen, but I also think for the Predators organization – well, they may have to admit, you know, hey, yeah, we probably shouldn't have let him go. I don't know that he was ever going to have that kind of success in Nashville because I don't know that they were ever going to put him in a position to have it. Okay, so I, I'm going to disagree with one thing he said I, about the issue with, you know, get, that he got a lot of chances. I, I, I feel like he got some chances, but I, I just don't know that he got a lot. I, I, I think he – the fact that he played – a mostly bottom six role. Now I will say he did play with Cody glass quite a bit this year. And I think that was a good, yeah. good person for him to play with. Um, but I mean, if his, if his real ability is, you know, on the power play and he's only playing on the second unit, right. That second unit is just really bad. And like, it has, has all kinds of issues and was really bad earlier in the year and pretty bad last year too. Yeah. So, like, I don't know that they really, truly gave him a lot. Although, I will say, um, I'm surprised. I'm interested to see. He's playing with some pretty skilled players over there in uh, Seattle. He's playing with Yanni Gord, and he's playing with Oliver Bjorkstrand, 
who yeah. both of those players have, have a considerable skill. Those are not grinders. No. Um, so I don't know. I mean, like I, it could just be that this is just a, a situation where the team, the, the two parties were never going to work out. And that is really not what you want to hear if you're a fan of this team, because nope. that's, uh, you don't want to you don't want to be in a pattern where you keep drafting first round forwards and then uh oh well it's not gonna work out uh kevin fiala well it just didn't work out between us uh austin watson yeah we couldn't really develop them we wanted to colin wilson didn't really work out uh ellie tolvanen philip tomasino are we gonna be saying the same thing in a few years like that would be bad right i mean that's a terrible yeah. pattern so well, I, you know, I, I see what you're saying. I just, I feel like he had a lot of opportunities, but he definitely didn't have as long of a leash as some of the other guys are getting. I guess that's the way I would look at it. Um, you know, probably not as many he did not as he should have had. Of a leash, no. But his no. leash was very short, which, which yeah. again, um, again, that can impact the way you carry yourself as a player. If you go into a game knowing that they're expecting you to play at a fourth line level, you're going to play at a fourth line level. And yeah. people say, oh, you know, but you should play like you're on the first line no matter what. Like, but if your responsibilities, you know, we've seen players on this team get scratched because of their poor defense. So if he's going out there with the fourth line, trying to go out and do some first line stuff with the puck and, you know, uh, slips a defensive assignment, then that could be back to the bench. And when you've got that kind of looming over you, you're not going to be feel like you can play the way you feel comfortable playing. You're trying to fit yourself yeah. into a box that you don't fit into. Um, so that, I, I mean, yeah, I don't think, I don't know that he was ever going to have the chance to really be successful with this team and a fresh starts. Great. If you want to be upset about something, be upset about the fact that you got nothing in return. I mean, mm -hmm. I think that's fair. And again, who knows if anyone was willing to give anything up for him or if Seattle was just willing to try him out for free. Uh, they definitely tried him out, and they they like what they have. They're, they're, they took home they, they. Back when I was growing up, I mean, this is tells you a little bit about my age. There was a there was this there was a store where you could go and just rent computers. You could rent like a PC or a laptop okay. or something. What was it called? Uh, well, there was Rena Center that's still around, but like this one was a right. different brand. Anyways, what I'm saying is. You'd rent the computer, and then, like, if you wanted to keep it, you could just send them the money for the rest of it, and you could keep it. So that's what the Seattle Kraken did. They were like, hey, we'll rent this guy. No, we're going to keep him. But they didn't send any money. No, they didn't send any money. They're just yeah. paying him the normal wages. Just just workman's wages. The the analogy is not really a good one, so just ignore it. Was, I get where you're going for. Plus, it's fun to hear about your childhood. It's such a mystery. <laughs> Why is it a mystery? Like, <laughs> You know, the all the uh, all the Alex Doherty fans online are just always, you know, what was Alex like when he was little? We want to know. Yeah. And you're, you're so well. You, you all the Alex Doherty fans so online, all the Alex Doherty fans online today were very mad at me for uh, various things. Um, let me see if I can get this loaded before I'm I'm trying to stall for time here. Uh, so I did a poll today. Okay, what does this look like? I think that'll work. All right, so I did a poll today. And because I was curious about maybe where people thought, uh, how how people were really thinking about this Tolvanen thing, and I my poll was 
which of these is David Poyle's biggest mistake over the last five years? And I, I tried to come up with the biggest ones and then I just provided a, a something else option. So the first one was okay. Kyle Turris, the, the trade and signing of Kyle Turris. That was in November of 2017. So just over five years ago, waving Ellie Tobinen, the Grandland for Fiala trade. And I just said something else. Something else came in a very distant 7%. 7% of the people was, it was dead last that that was the, that was the result. Here are the Hmm. poll results, Sean. Let me see if this works. Okay. I'm ready. Hey, there we go. I got to work. Hey. A thousand people have voted. 46% said the Kyle Turris trade and sign was the worst decision. Second place is Ellie Tolvanen. So 30% of the people said it was Ellie Tolvanen. And then third place was Grandland for Fiala. Fourth place, something else. So that's interesting to me because, number one, all the people who are so mad about Ellie Tolvanen, they it's, it's still – and the fact that that just happened. I even admitted that there could be recency bias here. I was thinking people right. would probably – more people would vote for Ellie Tolvanen option because it just happened. It's fresh on their minds. But that came in second, a pretty distant second place to the Kyle Turris thing, which is very interesting. Yeah. That's, I mean, you know, you're roughly looking at about 300 people versus yeah. 464 people who who feel yeah. that Turris' trade and sign was, and, was worse than waving Tolvanen. And, and I should also mention, I think the Kyle Turris trade and sign is not just about the contract for Kyle Turris. It's about they traded Sam Girard. They gave up yeah. a second round pick, I think. It, it, the trade overall was just a really bad trade. And then they also signed him to a long contract that they eventually had to buy out and are now paying him $2 million a year. Yeah. So yeah, they, it, I, I, I would, I mean, I, I would pick that as the biggest mistake over the last few years. And the, the Grandland for Fiala was really just, I, I don't know that that was a huge mistake. I think it was temporarily a pretty bad one, but considering that Minnesota doesn't have Kevin Fiala anymore. Yeah. That's and true. Predators still have Grandland and he had a great year last year. Like it's, it's a little bit more even than you'd think. Right. Um, Something else, of course, there were people just hiring John Hines. Was like that was a throw in. People (laughs) just adding that. So, what do you think of that? You Um, fan base there? What do you mean? Do I think that the biggest mistake was the Kyle Turris trade and sign? Yeah. Which one did you vote for? Did you vote? I did. I voted for something else. Oh, you did. Yeah, I voted for something else. Ah. Do you care to reveal who you voted for or what what you were voting for? Not right now. I don't want to. Um, it's 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 personal. Um, but <laughs> oh wait, I think I, I think I know. I think I know. Okay. okay, go ahead and guess, and I'll tell you if you're right or not. <laughs> no, I won't guess. I'll, I'll keep. No, I know, guess. I, know, I, I do know what it is. It's the Ryan Ellis guess. trade. Yes, it's the Ryan Ellis trade. It yeah. broke my precious son's heart, Alex. <laughs> right in two. We were on vacation, and we spent an entire day of vacation with this this poor distraught crying child that was just absolutely heartbroken i'm very sorry to hear that that his favorite player was being sent away to the philadelphia flyers which i mean a bit of a silver lining um he already liked the flyers just because they have gritty because you know he was six at the time um and so it was kind of like well he'll get to be there with gritty and he was like okay so that's not too bad um so did you sit your did you sit your son down and say listen son this was a, a business decision. This is David this Boyle, is 
David Poyle and the front office have a fiduciary responsibility to the shareholders of Nashville Predators hockey. He can't just sit there and pay Ryan Ellis six and a half million dollars a year for the next five years, especially when he knows that the injury probability of Ryan Ellis is, is very high moving forward. Don't you understand, son? Did you did you tell him all that? <laughs> that would have ruined the vacation pretty damn quick. So uh, no, um, it, you know it was really it was really sad because. You know, it was, it was interesting already. It had been an interesting vacation. It was a three-week, uh, you know, in our camper situation, um, going a lot of the uh, – you know, we were up in South Dakota for a long time. Um, and we pulled into, uh, I want to say it was Sleepy Eye, Minnesota, to spend the night at a hotel that had a, uh, a washer and dryer because we needed to wash our clothes. So we spent a night out of the camper in a hotel, and they had a pool. So he was very excited about the pool. And uh, right as we were pulling in is when I saw that Ellis had been traded. I saw there was going to be availability within, you know, half an hour. We got the camper parked in the parking lot, checked in. I got um, everything set up upstairs in the room and uh, had the saddest availability ever with Ryan Ellis because in the background is just a weeping, teary-eyed, six-year-old, precious six-year-old angel who's just (laughs) – his life was absolutely ruined. And, um, you know, when we, when we told him about it, it was like, you know, it's, this is what happens, you know, it, it, and you, you fall in love with a player on a team and they don't always get to stay. And, and sometimes it's for reasons you understand and sometimes it's for reasons you don't. But the good thing is, and, and looking back on this, you know, eh, he'll still get to play hockey. Um, that's one of the things we said. We'll yeah, be able to watch him play when Philadelphia comes to town, and maybe we can take a trip to Philadelphia to watch him play there. Well, okay, um, so so what? I, 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 here's what I want to say. Okay. I think that you voting something else right there makes perfect sense, and it also tells me something about the fan base. Right. It What's tells that? me. It tells me that everyone views the team a little differently than than someone else. No, no one fan viewpoint is the same. There, there are right. some you can lump together in kind of a similar category, but no one fan viewpoint is the same. Right. And so, no. And, and I think that that goes, you you can say that about so many different decisions that happen within the fan base. I mean, there, there are so many people who just despise John Hines. Like, and I, I don't think that they know anything about why they just know that the team is not winning as much as it was. And they just figure it has to be the coach because the players are great and they need to, they need a better coach. And then there's people who are like, I mean, even on that, that on that tweet, there's people who are like the Jeremy Lozon signing is the worst decision that David Poyle has made in the last five years. Like, really? You think that is the biggest worst decision? Like, I'm not saying it was great, but like, to me, it doesn't even stack up compared to the Kyle Turris thing. No, I don't think so. so. I, I just think the perspective that people have is just so interesting and, and, and varied in more ways than I would have, uh, would have expected. W- one of the conversations I got into online today was about how um, the fan base is upset that they're winning so much now. And I just, I do not think that that's the case. I don't think that this fan base gets upset when the team wins I, as a whole, on the whole, I think on the whole, there are still way more predators fans that like the team when they win. Like they like the team to win regardless of future prospects, long-term outlook, cup winning capability, all that stuff, regardless of all that, they don't care 
as much about that as you think. Well, maybe it's because they don't, they're not thinking about it. Right. Maybe they're not really analyzing the game properly. Maybe that's true. But I think also like, these are just fans who view the game differently. Like your son views the Ryan Ellis trade very differently than someone who really likes Cody glass, who the Preds right. got there in their mind. That's the best trade the Predators have ever made because they dumped this contract and they got Cody glass. You know what I'm saying? Right. No, I, and, and I'll say this too. Um, you know, I've got a, I've got a regular nine to five, Alex. This isn't my full-time job. Yeah. I know it's hard to tell sometimes, but um, you know, I'm on Twitter a lot because of hockey, because of covering the team and following the team beforehand. Um, but people that I work with, they, they know what I do outside of school. It's not a secret. They're mm-hmm. aware that, that yeah. I cover the team. And so um, I notice that when the team does well, for example, they go on a four-game winning streak or four-game winning streak in the middle of sorrows, kind of making some bigger headlines due to all of the saves. Uh, I get people who don't normally talk to me about hockey talking to me about hockey, and they'll say, well, you know, the Preds are doing pretty well right now, which is their way of saying, like, hey, I know you cover the team, and I noticed they're doing well. What's up with that? And I don't, you know, I mean, those aren't the people that are going to say, like, it's really a shame they're doing so well because they're ruining their chances at a high draft pick. Now, and and, and there are so many more of those people than there are of the people who are, uh, like really analyzing the the, right. the long term outlook. I, I mean, I'm not saying that either one is better. I'm just no. Like, there no. are, yeah. That you can't you can't expect. I think every person that even casual fans of the team, people who would consider themselves fans and enjoy going to games and things like that, to kind of know the current long-term outlook like you said and how decisions they're making now with the uh, salary cap are going to influence decisions they make down the road um you know i I think and i think that's like you said i think it's okay there are a group of people who follow the team just as closely as you and i do uh Mm -hmm. whether they're covering the team or not you know they're diehard fans that that know and keep up with the ins and the outs of of every move the team makes they're very aware of the salary cap situation they know the uh types of you know prospects they have in the system and i think that's great i I think it's really cool that there are fans out there like that but i also think they make up a very vocal majority on social media like twitter because that's where i think most people who follow sports get their sports information is on twitter so yeah i think you see a big cross-section of just that group on Twitter. Um, and, and, it gets vocal. I, and I, and there is, I mean, yeah, Twitter is a big part of it. I mean, I, the, obviously Twitter's not real life, but it is a pretty, pretty good cross section. I mean, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty broad viewpoint of the, of the fan base. Well, um, 30% of that Twitter group that, that participated in the poll feels like this was the worst decision Boyle's made in the last few years. Yeah. Um, 70% thought it was something else. Yeah. Entirely. So, so uh, yeah, it, um, I, I, I would go so far as to say that Twitter is, is the best snapshot of a fan base, but not everything. And and right. I just I just think there are way more people. I would say 70 percent of the fan base, 80 percent, no, 80 percent of the fan base is just happy that the team was wins. That's what that, that's what they want. They want the team to win. I, I don't care how with you on that they don't. They, and they certainly don't care how I mean, like. 
there's a lot of people out there that still think that, you know, it's about fighting and, and being, you know, being a heavy hitting team and, and that that's yeah. the, the biggest way to win the game. So anyways, I just, I, I thought that, uh, let me show the poll one more time. This was the, uh, the, the results as of uh, a little while ago, pretty interesting results. So yeah, f- f- almost half the people thought the Kyle Turris thing was, was worse than, uh, Tolvin and the grand for Fiala or something else. So, in interesting results there. We'll see where it finishes. I don't know. Well, I think what hits really hard about that is the fact that Sam Girard is having a lot of success in Colorado. And, you know, one of the big pieces that was involved with the trade ended up with the Predators anyway. And yeah. the other big piece that was involved in the trade is costing $2 million a year to not play. Yeah. Right. I mean, the yeah. Tolvanen thing at the end of the day cost a contract. But even the context of that trade still made sense. Like I, I when you go back to that, yeah. it's like they were just coming off the cup run. They needed a second line center because they signed Nick Bonino to be that, and he clearly wasn't that. And then they needed more skill. Cal Turris was in a contract situation with Ottawa, so this made sense. It's like you can you can really go back in the context, and I mean, it's hard to blame him for doing what he did, but right. it, it really did a lot of damage. And Turris, Turris had been great in the playoffs that year before as well. I mean, they made it all the way to the Eastern Conference Championship, right? Yeah. Looked good in that, in that series. So if you go back on most recent evidence, you were going to go, dang, that's a great pickup. Awesome. Okay. Let's look ahead to this week. Uh, the Predators play at Toronto tomorrow. That's going to be a hard game. Although I'm hearing rumors that Austin Matthews might not play in that game. I've heard the same thing, but I don't. I don't remember Which where. Would be I heard it advantage Preds, but it's still, still a tough team. I mean, that's a really yeah. Mitch Marner, John Tavares, all those guys. Yeah, really good team. So uh, Toronto's gonna be tough, tough for the Predators. Then they go uh, the very next night in Mar- Montreal, who they just beat six to three. So they're gonna be out for revenge, as they say. Yeah. That is Thursday, and then Saturday they come back. The Predators come back home to play the Buffalo Sabers. So three games, three more games this week, and then um, next Monday they will play Calgary. Dang, we have mm. another Monday game. Good gravy. Well, we might not be recording next Monday or Tuesday because uh, they played Mon- they played Calgary and Columbus back to back. Maybe we'll record next Sunday. What do you think? Possibility. Yeah, maybe we just do that. Keep your eye out, folks. Keep your but- eyes peeled. Until then, you can check out all of our Preds coverage at a to zsports.com. Go there, follow me on Twitter at AlexTardy1 and Sean at SCSNSH. And we'll see everybody next week. Mm-hmm.